This episode of Grade 43 is brought to you by On Trajectory. See where your money is taking you at ontrajectory.com. Do the math. Five kids. Three dogs, two cats, one and a half fish. Do teenagers count? And a lizard. Thirteen guitars. Seventeen years of formal education. Nineteen, but who's counting? Two middle-aged two men. Two middle-aged men. On a Get off my lawn. And a whole bunch of misguided ideas. <laughs> it works out to something like grade 43. 40. Get off my lawn. Grade. All right, so what do we want our start to be? It's going to be us being giddy and excited about this conversation that we're about to have. That's our, that's our, dude, you found it. That's our cold open. That's what I was so saying. We're that's our cold okay. That's what we're doing. Did we do that's this four I times said. already tonight? Yes. Okay, whatever. I was, All right. like, I was like, what do we need to say? We need to say, Phil McKnight, Phil McKnight, Phil McKnight, because yeah, I can't well. believe it. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I, I will rein in my excitement. I will shut up. But folks, we we had an amazing opportunity uh, yeah. that uh, the Calamar lined up for us to uh, have an amazing interview. So without further ado, Calamar I- is going to set us up. <laughs> Are we doing this? No, but like, no, this is we did it. I can't believe it. This this is. This was an amazing interview, wasn't it? Like, this was so much fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, I tonight is the night that I drank the beer to celebrate what we did in our lunch break a few days yeah. ago. Um, yeah. And we spent a lot more time talking about Warrant, but like, I just want to like, we should just totally dive right in. So. Yeah. Let's jump in, you know, because today we have a very special guest. In our eyes, a celebrity, really, you know, Phil has one of the most popular YouTube guitar channels called uh, Know Your Gear. He has 330,000 subscribers in a podcast. And if you've listened to pretty much any of our episodes, you've heard us mention him for once sure. Or, once or twice. Yeah, because, I mean, we all talk about strings. And how do we know how to tie strings on a guitar? <laughs> By watching Phil McKnight's video. So, you know, his honesty and desire to share real information with fans comes through anytime you see or hear him talk. And when Phil agreed to be interviewed, Brian and I were both over the moon with excitement. So, of course, without any further ado, well, welcome to the show, the man, the legend, Phil McKnight, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know, that that becomes the issue with uh, with these guys that are professionals is that they become YouTube famous, whatever that means. <laughs> and then that is the part that, you know, uh, what do they call it? They call it um, there's actually a term for this, by the way. Um, it, it's called cherry pie, cherry pie guy. You ever heard that? <laughs> no, it's about serious. Warrant? It's like a big mm, deal. Yeah, I know. It's That's like, the first thing I think about is when I hear cherry pie is warrant. Well, that's who it's named after, (laughs) Janie Lane from Warrant, when he killed himself. The theory is that Janie Lane has always been very public about the fact that when they wrote the second album, uh, this is all true story, 100%. So he wrote the second album and the the record company is like, no, we want to love in the elevator. We want to hit theme song. We want a rock anthem. You're playing arenas now. You need a rock anthem. And so uh, this Janie Lane story is he went and wrote cherry pie that's the last track that they wrote on the album he wrote it in 15 minutes and he sent it to the record label and they were like this is great this is going to be the album cover now (laughs) exactly what they wanted the title of the album 
they had them in cherry pie eating contests. I guess I didn't even know about this. Like cherry, like after the shows, they would have Jamie and Jerry, uh, Janie Lane is, this is why it's important. Or this, this why the cherry pie guy story is important is, you know, he killed himself in a hotel room. And recently, as recent as like weeks before that, he had mentioned that his whole life was ruined being the cherry pie guy, that, that oh, he never got taken seriously again. Warrant was a joke. And it was all because that is their biggest song. And to him, it's their worst song. And they never charted higher and they never did bigger in that album. No, nothing ever happened better than that. And that's the worst thing he ever wrote. And so the art, the theory, the cherry pie, cherry pie guy theory is, is that whenever you create anything, art, anything artistic or uh, product or anything, be aware that you, you don't control what will be no, you're known for and what will be the hit. And you might become cherry pie guy. Yeah, that's just because like somebody else may love it, right? And you're stuck yeah, with and it. somebody may love it, and it literally will torture you your whole life. As, um, and so they, they, that term is used a lot in the uh, for a lot of things. But like for instance, on YouTube, it's funny because some guys that do things outside of YouTube get on YouTube, become huge on YouTube, and then that's their cherry pie guy. Right. They're that's they're literally identity. tortured by it yep. all the time because they're like. They want to be known for anything else. <laughs> That's amazing. This is like, we haven't even started talking and I feel like that was just yeah, the are best we, can we, Are we allowed ever. to run that? That's awesome. Can, can I, yeah, of course. <laughs> I wonder if those Swedish guys have that with that song that starts with that whistling. It's not a guitar song. It's like, oh, uh, whistling? whatever. It's like a funny pop song that somehow became their hugest song and they thought it was going to be tongue in cheek. Well, it happens. Well, I mean, think of this. It happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. uh, I remember it happened to extreme. The bad extreme did more than words and then more than words became huge. And my wife and I still make jokes about that song to this day. Yeah. Well, think about this. It became people's wedding songs. And then literally people bought the album and were like, what the hell's the rest of this album? (laughs) Like they just had no concept. Totally. I had that happen to me. I went, I I'm a big Harry Connick jr. Fan. Right. And you all, you will actually appreciate this. Both of you will, I think. So he's always been known as like the Frank Sinatra crooner guy. And I, I was in, here in D.C. There's this beautiful place called Wolf Trap. And he had just released his album, which was completely the antithesis of any of this. But I don't think anyone that went to the show heard his most recent album at the time. And so it was like all these senior citizens and they're all there happy. He came out with an Eddie Van Halen, like, <laughs> like music man guitar wailing doing this rock stuff. And within 10 minutes, half of the people left the concert. Oh my God. <laughs> and the following year I came back and he said, I remember all of you left, you know, but don't worry this year, we're going to do big band stuff again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I saw to, to throw my uh, weird thing into the story. I saw like a video that uh, the final countdown by Europe was actually never yeah. meant to be like a song. It was meant to be their hype music before the concert started, but then people liked it too much. And so it just evolved into oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's it becomes a big deal, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah, I did a, a Sweetwater. They interviewed me in 2020. Uh, Mitch Gallagher did. They grabbed me at the NAMM show. I was really shocked. I was like, oh, you want to interview me? I, I, started, I thought it was like, I don't know. I thought they were doing some B-roll for something. You know what I mean? I was like, all right, I'll be in some kind of montage. <laughs> you know, the NAMM show. And then, by the way, there's this right. gear guy that has... And no, instead, they did a whole video and he was asking me and I gave... That's the piece of advice. He asked that... What Mitch asked me was, if you could give one piece of advice to people doing a YouTube channel. And my piece of advice was, basically, I really compressed the cherry pie guy story down right. to just 
watch out what you do because uh or actually better yet do what you love and only do what you love because the second you probably do something else that will be what you'll be famous for and you'll be doing that all the time yep. and i learned that luckily i i was uh i was lucky very fortunate in my personality that when i started my channel started popping or whatever it does you know when all of a sudden there's more than your mom's watching <laughs> <laughs> i started talking to youtube channels like i that's the first thing i did anybody who has had more experience than me i wanted to know what they thought or what they did yeah. i knew that there was a road that they could probably you know give you some guidance on man i thought they were gonna be like well make sure your camera angle is always this so it doesn't look up your nose or whatever they're gonna say instead no it was all cautionary tales of you know don't go for the clickbait thing and be radical unless you want to do that because that will take off and then you'll be making that content all the time and it'll just yep. be dread and you're not your own master anymore and and the worst part about it is you uh you know the game is you don't know what anything can make you can make uh uh i mean i, I have videos that have paid uh, more than i ever thought they would pay out yearly you know five years later they're still paying out huge wow. dividends to where i'm like wow that's impressive and i have videos that i've worked three days on and they didn't even make half of what somebody <laughs> making minimum wage makes it, it's still a year later they still haven't made you know anything close um or they're negative those are my favorite ones right. <laughs> where you're like let's see i paid for this and then i made the video and i'm in the hole 300 bucks you know and, and that's not a big deal 300 bucks but you're like I worked for two days. <laughs> yeah. And paid the opportunity cost. What else could you have been Plus doing? Plus yeah. three and days of work. So, so the problem is, is if you don't love what you do, your brain will probably automatically go, stop doing that content. Anything that costs you money, right? Yep. Only go for what gets, you know, some kind of click or something. Uh, and then you're, you're back to that. You hate doing it. Yep. Yep. So, back to your old job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so Phil, just for like the purpose of, recording and stuff sure did you already mention that did 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 brian already tell we have like the ghetto account for zoom we only have oh, like no, 40 minutes okay it won't <laughs> have you ever done this before with three people on zoom with the, the ghetto yeah. account sometimes it sometimes, yeah, sometimes it lets you go longer yeah, yeah sometimes, sometimes it lets you care. keep going yeah. so yeah. uh we just want to like sure. just close that <laughs> that's okay we're, we're still on our shoestring budget probably right. for a long time we still have mom listening and, yeah, uh, <laughs> mom, we pretty much have mom listening. But yeah. that that does well, segue like one of my like first yeah. kind of like, and it's not really a general question uh, or a specific question. It's more of like a general question, right? So I mean, you got a shop, a channel, a podcast, Patreons, you play music, people, including your fans, send you stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, the big wigs at PRS and Fishman call you up, and you give them new perspectives on their product line and like their mission and stuff like that. That's pretty awesome. Like, I mean, so like, can you tell us more about like? how how you got there and is this is your internet job like your job now so it, what's weird to me and i always say this what's weird to me is nothing's changed for me youtube changed nothing and how uh my anything works for me because like i have tons of stories like i have a story where i, I won't tell it but i'm just give you a reference where i have a story like where paul reed smith pulse they called my called me they called my wife actually and they're like hey if we fly you and fill out uh, next Wednesday, will you come to PRS factory and we'll take you to dinner? And Paul took us to dinner and gave us a personal tour of the factory. And we spent the day picking my brain. And that was about four years before I had a YouTube channel. Wow. Um, and what was funny was it, I was there actually as part of a group. And the group was funny to me because in the group was uh, basically five people, including me, you know, uh, business owner, so to speak. And uh, the other guys were huge, 
huge business owners, you know, doing massive numbers with PRS. But I was there because what, what PRS had figured out, a ton of companies had started figuring out, and that's what I learned, is that a lot of people in this industry, in every industry, but this industry too, will only give opinions that suit them or help them. No one's really trying to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's like, if PRS is like, how do we sell more guitars? A dealer will go, well, give me a lower cost. Give me more margin and I'll sell you more guitars. You know what I mean? And, and how does that help PRS? PRS is like, well, great. But then we, we make the same, <laughs> right? We move more product. We actually, so it's, it was, it's different. I never, I came from a different mindset immediately in this industry um, when Fender decided to switch from AS400, which is their system to Oracle, they didn't really know what they were doing. And I was like, oh, I'm Oracle certified. <laughs> right? And I like, by the way, I'm 20 minutes from you and I'm a dealer for you. So why don't we beta test it here? You know, I mean, with my store and how the system, the portal system works. Wow. So I just did that stuff. And so that's where those relationships came from over and over again. It was like, it was, uh, and then YouTube, all it did, which was really crazy for me, which I never predicted in a million years, all these relationships I had made over the years when I was doing YouTube and I got views, it actually, it's the opposite for the audience. The audience looks at it like the YouTube channel comes and it like, I don't know, because now I got views I validated, but to the comp- companies I was already working with for years, the YouTube channel validated all the, their instincts, which is like, man, you know what? You, you know, you know what I mean? Like we knew it was a really crazy to have him come out and get, just start talking. But now it makes sense because it must, he must have a tap into the market. And that's essentially all it is with the channel is, is the same logic. Because ultimately, all I care about is a good piece of gear. You know what I mean? A good guitar, a good pedal. So if, that, if I can help the company, I'll do it. I don't have an agenda per se. So, so when I started doing the YouTube videos, that it just really became video of what I was already talking about and doing all the time. And uh, I find it to this day, it still works the same way. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question, but that's yeah, no. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's really a point of question. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head because, like, no one would, could ever accuse you of being a hype person, right? Um, and you're just kind of like unvarnished, straight ahead, like truth about what's going on with a given piece of gear. And I think that's super appealing for folks to hear. Well, and I can do it, um, which I think is, uh, which is weird to me. It's still weird to me. It's natural for me uh, to give a critique without being a douchebag you know what i mean uh most and i say no even even what i call kid gloves which is constantly what i'm doing i've upset tons of people yeah i mean you just you know you could say it as nice as you can but if they don't want to hear it it's not a nice you know nice thing to hear and some people aren't soliciting your advice i try not to give unsolicited advice to anyone you know uh but heaven help if you ask me what do you think (laughs) because you're gonna gonna get it yeah yeah you're gonna find out um uh, and uh, like I said, I, I told this story once before I, the first name I ever went to, I got all my customers to give me questions. And I wrote them down on this tablet and I walked around the name show and I went to booth to booth asking owners of companies, the questions my customers had, and then wrote the answers down and take them back to my customers. That's, pretty um, so yeah, you started, that was on Facebook, right? No, I, that I, was I, just I, me and a tablet. There's no, I, I didn't even hear of, that was 2004. I never even heard of Facebook. Oh, wow. Oh, that was like just wow. people this, like you were this, meeting. I was just doing asking, it. Yeah. I was just, and then literally your customer would come back the next week after you came back from NAM and I'd get out the tablet and I go, well, this is what they said. What I learned about that was some owners had great advice and great information for customers. Some owners were jerks 
and could care less. They were, in fact, I can tell you there were some owners that literally got, I don't want to say violent, but aggressive with me and my questioning. Like you realize real fast, like they were, in fact, I can tell you what happened, uh, what, what always caused the problem. Here I am asking a question for a customer about a product. And they're like, they're not there to do that. They want to sell you their product. Right. So they're there for the, the only thing push. they want to see from you with your buyer's badge is how many you want, not yeah. let's talk about your products and your company. And uh, it was like actually pre, it was interviewing before, <laughs> before YouTube, right? Before <laughs> YouTube was, I mean, YouTube would round, you know, obviously came around in 2006, yeah. but it, it wasn't part of the, the mainstream for us for many years. It just became in, instinctive to me to, to want to share information as much as I could. And mostly also interact with people. That was probably the bigger thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward now, the number one question I get all the time is, you know, do you do YouTube full time? And the answer, I always am very cautionary because I want to say it, but I don't want to be misleading. I do YouTube technically full time. What I mean technically full time is, well, it's full time hours. Right. But whether YouTube does well or doesn't do well, I, I don't trust it. <laughs> It's all over the place. What I can tell you is to be, to be, I've never been, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do they call it? Viral or huge, you know, right? Tyler Larson, Rick Beato, right? Or Marty Schwartz, you know, the big channels, you know, million subscribers. I don't know how to do that. Uh, so uh, I'm sure, and funny, I should ask one of them, but I'm sure their answer is going to suck because it's, <laughs> they're <laughs> going to give you the list hire of a things. Pro- hire a production crew. And then- well, it's not even that. It's it's insane amount of hours and then a, a, a more insane amount of luck, I'm sure. But uh, the reality to it is what I've learned on this platform is you're constantly got to be pivoting constantly. Anytime you make any money, so, so far on YouTube, anytime I've made any kind of money, and that's why I hate. YouTube videos, my my only pet peeve, man. I hate you, and I never use that word if you notice, but I hate right. YouTube videos on how you make money on YouTube. I've watched so many of them, and they're all they, if there are if they are accurate, they're accurate for a moment. And if they had any responsibility, they would take them off as soon as they're not relevant because the everything changes all the time how you make money, how, who how much you can make of it because everyone's constantly. Uh, adjusting, you know, as soon as you make money, all of a sudden, uh, you know, they'll, they'll lower the amount they pay you, whether that, you know, right. They find a way to where what used to pay you this now pays you less. And so to the point where you find that, and I find this to be true with the, on the platform to make the same, you're always working more to make the same year after year. <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong. And this is why I said, I don't want to be misleading. You can make lots of money and you can make good money very quickly without a ton of subscribers. Cause like I said, I think subscribers are this confusing thing. I think subscribers are constantly confused by what they are. Um, I know that because they always put messages on every YouTube video. I'm unsubscribing. I always like feel like, okay, if that's a way to say like, I should take notice that you don't like the content anymore. I make sense. But if you're trying to say financially, it has some kind of thing. It has nothing to do with me. How many subscribers I have or don't have is irrelevant. What actually pays anything on YouTube is you just get lucky and you get a viral video and you can have that whether you have five subscribers or five million subscribers. And if you're lucky to get one or two of those, they'll, it's no different than the record business or the movie business. You get a couple of hits and they just pay dividends for a long time. The system just keeps rolling them. Yeah. And I imagine, and you mentioned like pivoting, right? So, and stuff happens all the time. Like uh, now there's TikTok, right? I mean, where did TikTok come from? And everyone's got a TikTok. So if you're creating content, like that's another new avenue that you might have to look into just to keep people happy. I don't even know if TikTok like is a remunerative thing in any way. 
Yeah, I don't do anything. Isn't that funny? I don't do anything besides YouTube. I'm not a fan of the short uh, platforms. The success of them, uh, to me, it's, I think it's entertainment-based systems. Mm-hmm. I have, there's companies that approach constantly. Like, hey, we notice you're not on TikTok or Instagram that much. <laughs> and they're like, we can help you with that. And one minute, inter- you know, because they know the channel, because that's what they do. They're, they're here to make money, you know, figuring out. And they'll go, we, one in, minute information videos are very, very popular. And I'm like, yeah, but what can you convey in a minute that isn't isn't going to create as much problems as it, as it fixes? That's the problem. Uh, I I already get nervous when I make a five minute or fifteen minute video. Right. Did you when include enough them. information? Right. Yeah. I mean, I almost get to the point. I I won't do it, but I got to the point where I, sometimes I'm like, man, this video needs like twenty five disclaimers because if you make a thirty minute video or an hour video on a certain subject, most of the time they won't engage. People will tell you they will, but that's not how it works. And so when you want to do information videos, you you want to make sure the person gets the whole piece of information because, <laughs> you know, the saying half cocked, right? You don't want somebody out there half yeah. cocked. You don't want somebody out there with half the information. But it's also, too, those platforms are, are different. I, I'm very happy with the the YouTube platform. You know what I mean? The way it works. I actually like, I like the way they ethically do a lot of stuff. I know people are always complaining about them. And their censorship abilities and stuff. And that's another subject, obviously. But as a YouTube content creator, there's a lot of stuff in YouTube behind the scenes that people don't know, the viewers don't know, that is very good, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, for mental health of the creators. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Are, are, you allowed, um, are you allowed to reveal what? Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. It's filtering. There's tons of filtering going on. I can make it to where I don't have to deal with anybody who's a horrible person. You know what I mean? Oh, Which is a very powerful thing. Yeah, Imagine internet without this. the internet, right? Community yeah, think of this. I can create content on YouTube if I wish, and it can get extreme. You know what I mean? So that's why you know, it to I don't do the extreme filtering, but you can do extreme filtering. I can make it to where anyone who's pretty much a trying to say something harmful or hateful or do anything, you know, I don't see it. I won't even know it exists. Mm-hmm. And I can make it to where you guys see it or don't see it. It's up to, it's up to the creator. YouTube uh, came up with a system that's, um, I, I always thought was beautiful, different than Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram will let you block people. So you got a person and it's rude or, you know, uh, actually, I don't like to say, that, I don't even think about that. It's about uh, being disturbing, right? They disturb the, the community and it doesn't have to be what you think. To me, it's just someone who's constantly trying to bring outside content into your content. For instance, if you went to a news media channel and somebody was like, strats don't stay in tune, you'd be like, what the hell is, why, what? <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes when I'm doing a, a guitar video and I'm like, here's a Strat versus Les Paul. And somebody's like, politicians. And then they go on this whole tirade. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, well, no. what does that have to do with anything that we're yeah. talking about today? Yeah. So what's funny about YouTube is different than, uh, than the uh, Facebook guys and the Twitter guys and all the other guys where you can block someone you can ghost people out. In other words, they don't know they can't be seen. They have no idea. So they're, they're just they're screaming into comments. the void. They're oh, screaming into amazing. the void. They, they, you just basically click on somebody and then their comments, as far as they see things, they exist. They think everything's right? normal. And the reason YouTube does that, like I said, very smart system, is because YouTube shares videos based on how well the community or your, your viewership interacts with them. So... You can imagine if somebody starts putting, let's just say somebody puts uh, a hate speech, you know, just keep it extreme, right? Something hate speech. Well, you delete the comment, okay? Well, here's what sucks. You delete the comment, that actually hurts your video because that interaction helps grow the video. 
right? But YouTube allows you to just go, okay, well, no one will be able to see this except for the person who creates it and let them just keep screaming into the void. And I'll still get credit for creating interaction. Yeah, you got, you got the eyeballs on it, but we don't have to give any oxygen and to the uh, and, and bad fact, people. You, you can tell my favorite thing to do if you're really, really savvy and really smart, my favorite thing to watch. And now that I say it, you'll see it or you've seen it. And now you're going to have an aha moment is uh, you go to and it because it because, you know, uh, people who don't, you know, it's just like the Howard Stern thing. People who don't like you watch you more intently yep. than people who like you. Click on some video. Make sure you're first. Right. Some video, you, the channel you like. Uh, when you first, when the video first pops, go right into the comment section and look immediately at how many comments are posted, the number count, and then count comments. And I would say 60% of the time, you're going to see like four comments and you look and you can only find three. It's because they count. They just not seen. There's yeah, got the, it. the system took care of them. I had a, I don't know where he went now, but I had a guy for years. He was the first comment in every video. And it was just basically, he just talked some crazy stuff. And so, but no one ever saw him and he did it for years. Cause you could go, I can go. And if I want to, I can unlock it, so to speak and look at it. And he would post like every video for years. This went on, not knowing, I guess that he was payload out. You'd think at some point he realized nobody's responding to his comment or the only thing you can have friends. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, them. you got to get your friend and then click it and then, you know, look for it. Some people just assume because they can't see it. Some, you know, it got shuffled weird. And that's just one thing YouTube does. That's I think is uh, smart. They let you filter. Um, for instance, when I do see comments, what I do now is you filter out. Um, I can only see subscribers. So I look at subscribers, members, all that stuff. I look at all comments later, but only after I've read all the members' comments and you know the subscribers' yeah. comments. So, like I said, it's a platform. Although it has its extremes, uh, this stuff's important because uh, the best piece of advice I got didn't come from a YouTuber. When it came to YouTube, it came from a radio DJ, and he called it van people. I love this saying. He said in the in the radio business, there's a thing called a van person. So a van person, you know, radio stations, they send the van out. Bob, something's going to be on corner of Fifth Live and May giving out yep. T-shirts. Yeah, on location. And he told me this story. He was a national DJ, and he was saying that the CEOs and the, the VPs of the company came out, and they hung out at the, one of the vans one day. And they came back to the radio station, and they go, I talked to all the viewers, you know, listeners, and they want us to have more giveaways. So less talk, less banter, do more giveaways. And they did giveaways and basically the numbers tanked <laughs> and the lesson learned was people who go to the van want a free t-shirt. They don't listen right. to the station. <laughs> They're just here for the giveaway. <laughs> cool. Let's, um, if we can switch uh, topics a little bit to gear, I think Calamar <clears throat> wants to get in cause you've got a wealth of experience with gear. <clears throat> He's oh. got a little gear shame, uh, that he recently ran into that we oh talked my. about a little bit in our last episode. Yeah. So I think we talked go, about Calamar. it in the last episode. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm still recovering from all the information that Phil just shared. And I had I, I have like, wow, a lot of, a lot of thoughts. You have a video about your 10 biggest regrets. I watched yep. it yesterday. It was, it's, it's I, I loved it. This is different. This is the worst trade that's ever happened. So like, I don't know what happened to me this weekend. I don't know what came over me. I felt like I was maybe like in Vegas drunk or something, but it was none of those things. I'm, you know, I'm here at home with my family and kids, but I had a telly up for sale on Facebook Someone reached out and said, oh, well, you know, they lowballed me or whatever. I'm like, well, do you want to trade something? And he's like, yeah, I have this Line 6 
Spider 3 amp here. You want that? And I said, okay, maybe like with money too, a little bit or something, right? Not really knowing what I was getting into. I looked at it a little bit, but I didn't take my time. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good for some reason. And then the guy shows up with like this giant amp. I don't even want an amp. I don't need an amp. I have everything I need here. I like my guitars. I don't even know why I was selling my other guitar. I, I don't know what happened, Phil. Like, I, I feel like I was in a, some fog. I think it's because Brian was state. out of town on vacation. So two questions. Do you have a horrible trade story that you made for whatever reason? And then how do you recover? Like, I'm thinking of something I'm going to call it like the Guitar Center Walk of Shame, where I'm going to take that in for a trade in or something and get something else. But do you have advice for dealing with with that yeah. nonsense? You know, usually I have like, you know, so many mess up stories where I've messed up. Trades are really not one I don't think of. I'm sure there's got to be one, but I <laughs> do. But but here's here's what it is. It's I, the art of trade and the art of trading is really as simple as the trade-up rule. You should always be trading up. Um, and some people like to trade for needs. Like I need a, uh, you know, I need a bass amp to play with this band. So I'm gonna trade my Strat for this bass amp, okay? Because I need a bass amp and I don't need a Strat. It's not a wrong theory, right? right. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But, I, I, but I'll tell you, you'll win more, if not all the time, using the trade up logic the thing i'm trading towards has more value than the thing i'm i have so for instance if you trade 10 pedals that don't have a lot of value but you get one american strat that's trading up because that that you know especially in long term value usually trading for me uh, is about not never about what i need it's about what's easier for instance like i have an amp it's a pain in the ass to ship well, somebody on Craigslist, like I traded Dr. Z amp for a Gibson Les Paul, right? On, uh, And they're like value, but it wasn't about I needed a Les Paul. It was a Les Paul is easier to ship. It has a bigger it has a bigger audience that would want to buy it than a Dr. Z amp. It's more specialized. Same thing with guitars. You sometimes, you know, if you're going to lose, lose money because you bought uh, an exotic guitar, that's usually where things go awry for a lot of players. You know, you buy a Nags or some kind of brand that's, it's hey you like the nags no, I'm yeah kidding. of course I, yeah well you know what it is but but i mean there's there's lots of lots of guitars yeah. that are cool yeah. but they're yeah. just again your audience is smaller yeah you can somehow tra- you can trade sometimes for a more, more uh, oh my god yeah, you actually common. just nailed my other problem phil you have no idea i have an offset telly from 2016 those that are like a jag caster right? yeah and exotic guitar this dude on Facebook wants to trade it with me for for like a, a jazz master, you know, like a right. made in Japan jazz master, right? About the same value, and I'm like, that's exactly that. Like, mine's an exotic guitar. No one wants it, and right. that guitar is much more like popular. So you actually yes. just solved my other my other problem. <laughs> and you have to do the trade ups wow. this scenario. So equal trades not usually what you're shooting for. It's look, it's not like you're trying to mess over people. It's not. Yeah, about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you gotta. You, the, it's a mentality of like you. If you're always trying to trade up in value yeah, a little you're gonna, bit, you're going to bring home a puppy you like, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Because even if you pay you know, a little bit, maybe. Yeah, of course. And like I said, I just learned this over the years doing it. You know what I mean? And it works. It works well the most time. But like I said, if just always stay in that mindset of the trade up. You yeah. know what I mean? 
You're trading. So what do I do with value. my clunker then? Guitar Center Walk of Shame. <laughs> that I don't think anyone's gonna want. No. Put it out the curb. Start, uh, a, start a three eleven cover band. <laughs> it's tough. Like I said, amps are tough. You might have to trade again. Hey, you know what? Think about this. You could use that amp to hone your trading skills. Put it on Craigslist and try to see what what's the downside. You don't want it. So everything's a trade up from that thing because you don't want it. So that's what your goal is to figure out what can you get that you actually want. And especially uh, what's great about inexpensive amps now, especially because they're big and nobody wants them. The goal should be to get a, like a, if you have a $200 amp, try to get a $200 pedal, right? right? Something that's, you know, more universally easy to ship. It's again, pedals tend to keep going up in value where amps keep go down in value, right? <laughs> right. Imagine if you bought a $200 spider amp in 2010, or you bought a $200 boutique pedal in 2010, what the difference right now is in those two products and totally. uses for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey there, fellow guitar and gear fans. If you've listened to us this far, you probably have some piece of gear on your mind. Maybe it's a fantastic vintage mic preamp. Maybe it's Calamar's offset telly. Sadly, his spider amp is now sold. Or maybe it's a magical boutique pedal. Whatever it is you have your eye on, you're probably trying to get an understanding of your finances. Can I afford this? How will I afford this? How will I explain and justify this? For small finances or for big picture items like when will I be able to retire, there is no better tool than On Trajectory to get a clear picture of where you're going and where you can go. Take this from a guy who's been a back of the napkin guy for most of his life. I used to believe in my own hackneyed logic, now I believe On Trajectory. On Trajectory changes everything. No guesswork, no sleepless nights, no buyer's remorse for anything. On Trajectory is an easy-to-use, high-fidelity financial planning tool that maps your income, investments, and expenses in a friendly graphical display. On Trajectory captures dozens of data points so that you understand how your decisions affect your finances, now, two months from now, or years later when your kid starts applying to colleges. On Trajectory takes your guesses and turns them into educated, fact-filled, and data-driven scenarios. Got a family? You can add spouses and dependents, create savings plans, goals, and run simulations that tell you exactly what the guitar and gear habit is doing to you financially. Onboarding is simple and intuitive if you're a pro or an absolute noob. You can sign up for free at ontrajectory.com, and from there you'll see your success score, fine-tune your projections, and chart your real progress over time. You can explore impacts, track your performance, and test all of your assumptions. Answer the big questions that impact your financial plan. What is my child's college education going to do to me? How much do I really have saved and how will it stack up in the future? How much longer should I work? Just how long can I sustain my gear habit? So get moving, go to ontrajectory.com to sign up for free and see where your money is taking you. Thank you to Ontrajectory for being a sponsor of Grade 43. So that's yeah. an interesting point. So what do you make of, um, Calamar and I were talking about this <clears throat> when we were workshopping questions. So pedals are like insane now it yeah. seems right <laughs> and i feel like when we were growing up and i feel like we're all like the same age like you had a few options for pedals right you could go get a rat or you could go get a you know whatever tube screamer and you and you had that and it was pretty straightforward because there were zero options for you know real good easy guitar modeling and stuff like that but guitar modeling i feel like is you know you can go pick up a spark for a couple hundred bucks you can get software yeah, that fantastic. does it you can, you can get all these things and then now there's this rise of the boutique pedals. Is that just because like electronics are easy to do or is it all fetishism? What do you, what do you make of that? Because like if, it, until I met Calamar, I was not aware or we, we've known each other forever, but until like we started talking guitars again, like, like pedals, like, are you going to be kidding me? But they're like 
amazing and so numerous and sometimes incredibly costly, right? It's, it's very well, odd. I think, and I, I believe 100%, <laughs> I believe this, I think YouTube has ca caused the pedal craze. The pedal craze is a perfect storm. It happens in basically right in the big recession. That's when it started. Most right. of those companies, if you look at JHS and a lot of those pedals, they started in the recession. Brian Wampler, that's when they start. Yeah. They're not from the 80s or the 90s. They happened in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, when all that. And that stuff saved a lot of stores because people weren't buying stuff. You know, the recession was bumming everybody out. Dudes aren't buying $1,000 American strats, but they walk in a store. And my favorite quote I ever got from anybody was a friend of mine who said, you know what the best thing about a boutique pedal is? I walk in a store, I don't care how expensive they are, I can afford any of them. You know what I mean? He's like, there is no other boutique item that you can walk in a store and afford anything. Like, no, that's the Starbucks art. effect. Have you yeah. heard that about Starbucks? Like, it's yeah. the treat that everyone, yes. it's the luxury mm. that anyone can afford. So you Absolutely. pay $5 for a fancy coffee. And then, and then the second part of that, which is a great, by the way, because I agree with the Starbucks thing 100%. What's great about that with the pedals thing is that there's something that happened. The, the thing with the pedal thing that was really interesting was that there was a guitar person that didn't exist before the guitar, the pedal boom. They didn't exist. Here's how I know that. I want you to think back to all your guitar days since the day you started guitar, okay? All the people you've ever met play guitar, even rock stars, okay? Everyone had, in theory, this very balanced amount of product. In other words, three guitars, one amp, five pedals, okay? 10 guitars, one amp, 20 pedals, right? Um, 50 guitars, five amps, 25 pedals, right? So it, it, it hit me one day watching YouTube videos. All of a sudden, every channel on YouTube that's representing us, because that's what it was, right? Yeah, that's what drew you to it immediately. It was unlike Guitar World, unlike everything in the past, right? Where it was rock stars, Eddie's telling you what, you know, why he uses this, or some guy who's apparently the greatest, you know, the editor of some magazine who we're supposed to listen to is telling us stuff. All of a sudden you're like, hey, that dude, that guy's like got what I got. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, okay. Uh, so Barrier to entry is much lower for everybody, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden you're like, okay, this makes sense. Here's what's funny about this. So you're looking at guitar players. We didn't even think about it, which is funny to me. They'll have like 300 pedals all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden, oh, yeah. everyone has 300 pedals. Like just walls of pedals. Pedal board of the day, right? On Instagram. Pedal board of the day. It's like pedals. The monster. <laughs> And, and, and you're like, it didn't occur to us all because we're all just watching it. And then one day it just hit me as an like, epiphany. I was like, wait a minute. Here's what's funny about this. We used to not do this. Why are we doing this? All of a sudden, guys have four guitars, but 150 pedals? Well, like, it's, 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 remember, Steve Vai, his album, they like the, uh, the, uh, that, that even tied harmonics, whatever rack unit, thousands of dollars. Oh, I want to sound like that. Now I can buy that for $500, $400. I, yeah, I, no. I and I, and, 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 and Phil, uh, Brian and I always call it like, now I can afford the guac at the burrito place. Right. <laughs> That's, That's like our, our thing. And it's like, I, I want that thing. I couldn't have when I was 15. Like yeah. I, I want it. <laughs> And the the obtainable part of it is a huge factor, right? But also keep in mind, there's definitely 
definitely a correlation between musicians and addictive personalities. First of all, just practicing <laughs> addictive personality. Think about what it takes. It, it, and I don't want to pick on musicians. Athletes no, no. have this problem too. Anybody who can literally do something over and over again for the concept of, you know, not like, think of this, not for the fact of efficiency. You know, it, you know, it takes a almost a crazy mind to go, I'm going to keep doing this thing over and over and get it until I get it right, until I get it perfect. You can see addictive personalities and guitar players going to the extreme when you just analyze someone playing something that somebody else played. It's so crazy. In other words, think about how obsessed people get with accurately playing something that obviously, (laughs) right? To the point where somebody's like, that's not the E, he plays it there. He plays the other E. And (laughs) they'll do do research and go, no, it's not in this position. It's in this position. No, it's worse. It's the original artist having to relearn the song to play it exactly that. Brad Carlton said he had to do this for his own guitar solos. People are like, (laughs) well, that's that's not the same... Uh, Charlemagne, Kid Charlemagne solo that you did on the album. You know, it's like, are you people out of your mind? <laughs> well, it's because of that personality, that personality that is, again, it's addictive, it's hyper-focused and it's meticulous. And so what happens is, is that can bleed into any kind of thing. And of course, pedal addictions and all kinds of addictions, uh, of, uh, you know, it can be that way too, where you got to have different pedals and stuff. <laughs> I even laughed. I, I think uh, if you guys remember when I first started my channel, I had pedals, like I had the wall and I had pedals, amps and guitars. And I did that because that's what everybody had. So I was like, all right, I'll just do that. That makes sense. This is my office. There was nothing in my office when I started. So I was like, all right, I don't know what I put in behind me. I don't know if I just want a blank wall. I don't know. Do you want that? I don't know. So I was like, oh, we should put some guitars. And I'm like, oh, we should put some pedals because you know people like paddles i didn't know this obviously figured out real fast uh obviously if you create a youtube channel i always tell everybody if you get a youtube channel uh, if you get a youtube channel period you'll get pedals that's what comes first the first thing ever sent to me by a company was a pedal f pedals yeah and uh i remember like because i was so naive i was like oh my goodness i can't believe they sent me a 39 dollar paddle this is amazing like i was like this is amazing you um, made it <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is really, if you think about, you know, uh, uh, YouTubers will soon uh, have horror stories. I'm sure that it will be like, they got a free pedal and they did a video and that company made a million dollars. I already have that story. I have a company that sent me a cake. Okay. This is an actually crazy story. I had a company and it's one of the only companies that has my physical address. The doorbell rang one day and there was a chef. I wasn't there. My wife answered the door. Uh, there was a chef at my door. <sighs> Uh, uh, and she says, uh, whatever she is, she's some expensive bakery in town. And she's like, I normally do wedding cakes and stuff, but this company hired me and told me they want me to bake you this cake and bring it to you personally. And my wife's like, okay. So she's rushing in her head. Like who, like what one of our relatives or friends sending us a cake and why? And so she's like, okay. So she talks to the lady, the, the, the chef or baker, whatever you want to call it. Shuts the door and she goes, oh, we got a cake. And I go, we got a cake. And she opens the card and she goes, I don't recognize what this is. And so we open the cake and it says, thanks a million. And it's a video I did, a pedal. They sold a million dollars worth of pedals off that video. And they they sent you was a cake. They sent me a cake. Hey, you know what's funny? That's not even, that's the story that, you know, some people go, oh my God, that must have sucked. I'm like, are you kidding? We were so happy. Really good cake, right? I was so happy because at that point, it had probably already been a year and a half, two years. I'd been, every time I did a video, I would beg a company for some kind of metric or analytic or something. Give me a barometer. I had no idea what was going on. I'd do a video and I'm like, was that good? The companies act like they were irritated by you, you know? And in fact, still to this day, some, some are. 
Like you would do a video, like I would do a video, buy a pedal, do a video, send it to a company and go, hey, I bought your pedal, I did a video and it got like 150,000 views. That's cool, right? No response. Like <laughs> they would never respond. <laughs> Nobody would. And if they did, uh, it was always like, thanks, we're glad you like the pedal <laughs> or the guitar or whatever it is. And so you'd be sitting there going, oh, okay. Uh, and all you're trying to figure out is, you know, what's the value of this to anyone? Is this, is you know, are people just watching it? And then I'll tell you what did it was when the affiliate link systems came out. That's what changed the whole world. Because once all of a sudden there was a link and companies were giving you data, what was sold. I mean, the channels, I, I can take it right now off affiliate links, the channel sold tens of millions of dollars worth of gear just off the links. And that's direct, which means there's probably way more. Well, not probably there is way more purchases, not mm -hmm. off those links. Mm -hmm. So you look at it and you go, this is crazy what these channels are generating in revenue, all channels at all levels. And like I said, well, the days of uh, apparently, you know, just four years ago, four years ago, the days where a channel would make a video and make a company million dollars, those are almost all gone now. You know what I mean? For, yeah, uh, you know, uh, they so, still happen, but I mean, no one will send you a free $40 pedal and expect a million dollars worth of sales. So let me ask you this. So it sounds like, I mean, it comes across in your videos. You love what you're doing. Is it fair to say that like this transition to full-time YouTube allows you to do more of what you actually really like, which is, I think like you get to play with guitar gear, which is awesome. You get to know your gear. You get yeah. to know your gear and you get a community. Like we talk about this in our last episode. It's the community. It's like the engagement with people and being able to share. And this is like the, the best way you have found to do that. Is that what keeps it going for you? Absolutely. Uh, what keeps it going for me is the fact that I've been looking for this, like my, I told, I, we kind of talked about this off air for a second. I told you I would go to the NAMM show because <laughs> the yeah. NAMM show is like, you're supposed to be your people like Comic-Con. Yeah. And what you realized is, is that when you would talk to certain musicians, like I said, some are wired, they like gear, they like talking about guitars. You know what I mean? Um, I guess it, and I, and I liken this to athletes. I'm sure if you're a sports fan and you meet your one of your super your heroes, not superheroes, but heroes in sports, they may not want to talk. They want to talk about their Lamborghini. Yeah, they say never <laughs> you know I mean? talk, never meet your heroes, <laughs> yeah. right? They're, they're, yeah, right. they're like, I mean, it's, and I don't mean that in a pretentious way. I'm no, just no, saying no, like, that's what totally. they're into. They got a collection of Lamborghinis, and you're like, hey, yo, I like that you use this shoe, or I like yeah. that you tell always... me about your day job. No, yeah. it's the last yeah. thing they would, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? That's and, why I do this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my day job. <laughs> yeah, and and so what happens is, is all of a sudden you just couldn't, you couldn't find, I guess, so, so, you, you know, your your people, your 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 clan, your your group of people who are interested in the things you're talking about. I love talking about music, history of music, and then the gear in that music, and then gear in general. And what's great is, is then you, I used to think like that. I just, if I could find those people, it'd be great. And then I realized like you get greedy. I'm greedy now. So not only do I not, not do I, do I want to talk to people who are into guitars and music, but now because the internet's so vast and there's so ways to be specific, I'm really interested in like in my particular kind of community, which is like the more polite, like I'm not, it's not fun when somebody's so angry all the time about something, you know, mm -hmm. it's not that I, it's, mm -hmm. I, I don't like that personality. It's just, I'm like, you know, like yeah. I, it gets to be a drag, right? I, yeah, it's nice to talk about like, hey, I played a tube screen where it was $99 and it was pretty good. And I played the $10 one and somebody will, I like it when we can have a conversation about it and not somebody go, well, that's because somebody's trying to screw you out of $90. Right. It's all right. a, right. all a thing to destroy us. I mean, you're like, it's because you're busy and you don't want to waste your energy with all that other nonsense. Like that's just nonsense. Why do you, you're busy. You don't have, 
we don't want to well, deal with that stuff. What it is <laughs> is I, I think it's I don't want to be angry from the thing I'm I love. Right. If it's making you angry, I'm like, you're probably probably doing it wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> but when it comes to like making content, I'll tell you the thing I learned is this. It's about um now I I I just really lean into two things. Either I want to do it and it won't get views, and I do that all the time. Or the community wants me to do it and it'll get views. <laughs> so I lean into that. And I try to stay the hell away from what the companies want, even though they all seem to have an opinion, the strongest opinion. Right. Um, well, and with the users, you get the engagement and you can talk to people and like, oh, about absolutely. And well, and also it's not even that I don't need to think about this. Uh, look at us. We never met, but we're talking, right? It's because we all come from the same, like I said, it's same kind of cloth, the same, same likes, same interest. Company talks to me. This is the problem. They're the only ones that are different in this equation. You could like a Axe Effects unit and I could like a vintage pedal board, but we're still going to come across this. We're still going to be on the same plane of talking and things. Once somebody's biggest interest is in selling something, like what they want you to do is sell their product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or beat the competition, right? Yeah. The, the, the dynamic of it changes. I have this problem all the time because what you want is a perfect world, which is a very hard thing to get. You want companies to send you product because so that way you don't have to buy it <laughs> because that it gets expensive right yep um i mean at, you get to a certain point at the size of channel i have now i can pretty much buy anything and review it but i would never make anything ever it would just be literally i would i would have i would churn have thing. To now create the, a, a charity out of it because it would just the 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 churn just eats up cash so fast through the little incidentals you know or go back to trying selling the product for premium. You know what I mean? Try to review it and then sell it for pro premium, which is not uh, something I'm interested in. But the companies, what you learn is, luckily what happens is I, if I can hook them once, if I can get them to do a video with us and see how the re audience reacts to it. I find that I can't get rid of them, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> like they keep coming back because uh, they see it. At first, it scares the hell out of them. You know what I mean? It scares them. This idea that you're, you know, rogue. They don't know what you're going to say. What is he going to focus on? And it happens in a way people don't understand. I recently did a video. I'll say recent in the last year. So I don't be specific of the company. And my video was the weird one. Definitely. If you, you know, I, I can watch the nine other videos are created. Mine was a weird one in the idea that I thought of it, uh, the product way different than apparently everybody else. I thought it sounded, you know, this is the person intended for this use, you know, which is a very scary thing for a company because they're yeah. like, and all of a sudden you get this rogue YouTuber and he's like, it's what is it? And you're going it, outside their market. Yeah, they're marketing people who have their persona and you did not pick it. <laughs> it did well. It did very well. The video did well uh, for them. And then what's nice now is they've come back and they're like, okay, let's do another one. And now you can see it's a little less of the reins. They're like, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Well, and you helped a company even with, uh, an overseas guitar company and they need they were overpriced oh, yeah. and then you helped yes. spec out the, the the oh yeah that's right the hardware yeah. on it and change the pricing and it seemed to work way better for them. way better well the uh the the point of that was funny was i did this uh, i do this all the time uh for instance actually there's a more recent company what happened was they sent me a product i did a video i sent it to my patron members and members they bought them all up right? It's probably a dozen. Okay. So I send the email to the company and I say, look, uh, you're out of stock. And I'm supposed to put this video out on Thursday. You're out of stock. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to make more. And I'm like, 
but you understand like the comment section is going to be like thanks phil there's none there's none to buy yeah, i want this in my and, cart now yeah, yeah. yeah where's the energy of the video the excitement why get people excited and be like you can't have it i'm like that doesn't sound fun and then what's going to happen is the the 10 guys who bought one last week they're going to put them on reverb for 20 percent over retail and they go okay uh so they came back to me very it's very small mid-sized company that came back to me and they're like hey here's the problem we how many do you think the video is going to sell and i go i don't know five or 500 i don't know you know what i mean that's the sad part i can't give you that analytic i don't know because it's not about it's not like you just say hey here's a here's a product and then people just buy it you know what i mean right it's some something Guaranteed inspired sales. that doesn't yeah. exist yeah and i said so here's where it got really interesting i said but here's what you should do take my video i'll give you permission send it to your dealers Tell them this is the date it's coming out and how many do they want to order and have in stock. So they did that and they they ordered 100 pedals, right? Uh, the video sold 150. They got 150 orders, I think, in the first 24 hours. And and you could see it. Actually, it's funny. You could see it. After about 100 orders, you could see the comments like, oh, they're out of stock already, <laughs> right? Which only took a couple hours after the video was up. Yeah, but, then but that's perfect. That's perfect. But, but here's what's funny about this. What's funny about this was the company immediately came back to me and said, you know, that was a really different experience than we've had with other channels. Hmm. They go, the other channels, they just make the video and toss it out. They're like, we never had anybody think about, you know, their business. How we should, you know, all this stuff. And I said, well, what's funny about it is to me is it's because you think I'm working for you, but I'm actually working for the audience. I was actually, I don't care if you don't like the video. I care the audience is pissed at me for having a video right, for telling you about something they couldn't have. Yeah, right. That's what I'm paying attention to. What, what is the audience going to get out of this? You know what I mean? If it's informational, fine, they get information. But if it's just to tell them that there's a great product they can buy that they can't buy, well, why make that video at all? Yeah, why make yourself the bad guy for yeah, the company? I go, right? I go yeah. it's, it's, that's how the system has to work. It has to be the audience is the boss and you're constantly listening to them for feedback. And, and funny is, this is what I thought was going to happen. It doesn't happen the way I hoped, um, which is I thought was going to happen. If you could get the audience, the companies would have to listen. Mm -hmm. But I miscalculated. And here's what I learned the hard way. Companies have a way around it. Here's the way around it. I can make a video and, you know, well, let me put it this way. I can critique a company in a way. And you think like, oh, they're going to have to listen to the audience. You know, the audience uh, thinks a certain way. But really what I forgot is there's so many YouTube channels. What they can do is just pay 10 other YouTube channels to say the opposite. Oh, no. And you can see it all the time. It happens all the time. I actually, I never knew it was happening until a YouTube channel, which happened to be a friend of mine, uh, luckily was very kind and emailed me and said, hey, this company basically told me they got blasted by you. And uh, <laughs> and uh they want to. They want me to make a video saying this stuff's good. Wow! <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then YouTube uh, turf wars. Yeah, it's kind of funny, right? You're like, and it was a weird technique. I never thought about it before. It never occurred to me. I'm like, oh, right. They don't have to listen to my audience. They can just oh, yeah. you know, manipulate another audience. Yeah, the same way yeah, they got the eight influencers doing the great video. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it's just like attack <laughs> back on 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 Phil. Oh my goodness! Wow. But, but back to the the Shiji thing and that thing about him changing his thing, um, that was even harder than I even applied in the video. Um, in the video, what was really tough was I was not only was I explaining to him, uh, Dave, the owner, that this is how it's got to go. He didn't he didn't like, like I said he didn't go okay. He he went basically like no, 
And then what happened was two big YouTube channels. He basically got two big two YouTube channels to do a video for him. And the, they didn't sell any guitars. Uh, and then he came to me and said, okay. Turns and, out you were right. <laughs> and what got his attention was, you know, he probably paid one of those channels like two grand to make the video. And yeah. he sold like one guitar, which made probably three, 400 bucks, you know? And so he's in the hole, which is not how YouTube works. I mean, it's, right. it's almost impossible for them not to break even on those payouts. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, wow. And, and so he came back and he goes, okay, you, you might be right on this. <laughs> I'm like, because, and here's what's funny about this. All I was thinking is uh, what you guys think when I buy this, that's the, the part about getting gear that I hate. Uh, I've said this before company sends you gear. It's the best way to get it on the channel. But the one thing you have trouble with, I do, is I call it the rapture, the pain of the pocketbook. I don't know how to explain that. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Phil, is it worth $900? I don't know. They didn't charge me for it. So it's worth yeah. that. It's worth getting You didn't have for... to save up for it. You didn't have to trade up for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what's worse is it actually works backwards. I'm going to give you guys like a, a thought since you guys are doing your own podcast now. Here's a thought for you. Sometimes what the audience doesn't realize is I paid way more than the audience for the guitar. Way, way more. Here, let me give you an example. So if, I, if a company sends me a product, right? But how do you convey this to the audience? This is the problem. Pro company sends me a $300 pedal. I do a video of it and somebody says, Phil, would you pay $300 for it? I'm like, I don't know. I worked two full days for it. And I wouldn't <laughs> work for $300 for two full days when I make $75 an hour repairing people's guitars. So I'm going to say, yeah, apparently I will pay way more than $300 for it. Because, because trade your time and yeah. so and the only tough part about that why you can't come across that way is because there's a really anomaly that's not true i get paid on the video but i don't know what the payout will be yeah sometimes it's, it's thirty dollars and sometimes it's three thousand dollars sometimes three hundred dollars you know maybe i will get paid for it and then it won't be you know but i do notice all the time you know that's one of the things that's hard to factor in like when because I, I know because um sometimes when companies reach out to me and uh i'll tell you the worst one for me is apps that's why I hate apps. Uh, every time a company reaches out apps, it's two to three days of work. Right. It's the most work you'll ever do. Right. Uh, it's not like it interacts with anything else in the world, right? You know, it, yeah. Well, you have to. You, well, the obviously, editing, video editing. And the yeah, you have to. And you have to Power. obviously educate yourself on the app. Then there's a lot of editing. Then there's a lot of work, you know, uh, yeah. you know, just like I said, making sure it's there. And um, almost every time, uh, for me at least, it is equated to tens of hours of labor yep. of just interacting with the company with all the problems you keep coming across. Wow. And app companies are the only companies I've ever seen do this ever, which is every time you tell them there's a problem, they go, yeah, we know that. Right. And you're like, <laughs> that's, right. that's in the next well, How do we'll I, fix that. so you want a video <laughs> where I basically tell people like, here's the problem. <laughs> I work in software. I'm 100% guilty. Yep. I understand Co-signed by Calamar. Yep. Uh, we we got to turn into pumpkins here pretty shortly. Oh, so uh, to get back to our speaking of uh, day jobs. This is killing me. I want to <laughs> wrap on this one. But Calamar, stick around for this one. So one of the things I love the channel for is like the gear know-how. Forget, you know, the transistors and something, but just simply like basic things. So one of the things we've jokingly talked about strings just about every episode of this podcast. We refer to your videos for the different ways to change strings and how to do little things and maybe how to make your own little guitar tools like a string puller to get out of the back of a trim or something like that um so what is the 
one thing that you would recommend a guitarist know how to do to their guitar other than change the string? What's the easiest thing that me, who I think I'm almost good at changing strings, playing guitar for decades, and I buckled down on changing strings, I can do it pretty quickly now. Um, so what's the, what's the next thing that should be on the learning list? The thing, so restring your guitars first, obviously. And then the next thing is to do a basic setup, uh, making adjustments to the neck. That is the most important thing, how, uh, learning that skill set. Um, because it's something that's very easy to do and it's mostly based in fear, not knowledge. Absolutely. I am, so, I am afraid of it. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing. And so it's really about, that's why, like I said, I, I used to, I used to do when Glary first reached out to me, they were one of those companies. I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? Like, I don't want to talk about a Glary guitar, but then I was like, no, this is great. If some guy buys a $60 Glary guitar and just jacks it all up that's the best thing that it's a that, that pays a dividend you can't pay 60 bucks to get you could pay 60 bucks for an online course on how to do a setup or you could buy a glary for 60 bucks and just jack with that guitar until it's yep. right yep. and same with fret work the next thing i'm going to tell everybody is you got to learn everybody's got to learn to take care of their fret sprouting issues wow i just did both i got a free ibanez geo that has the dropped drop d string you know the one i'm talking oh, yeah, yeah. about yeah <laughs> and uh I put guitar fetish pickups in it so I can swap them out and noodle with that and put a new yeah. wiring harness. And I just signed up for a guitar maintenance course. <laughs> yeah, because because it is it is a thing that uh, you know that I talk about too. It's going to get more and more expensive, and that's because that's the evolution of all this stuff. The evolution okay. of everything that we've seen in the world is that manufacturing is becoming the cheap part. Getting the product is becoming the cheap part. Even with inflation, all this stuff, that's the cheap part. The maintenance is going to be the expense. And if you look at it, think how, like I said, skilled I, I labor. Use, well, think of this. I use Sears as an analogy, but there's so many better ones out there. Just the Plex systems are, that exist. The, the, the system is becoming, the system of business is becoming selling someone the, the back-end maintenance on something. Here's the product, now pay for the maintenance. The right? service. Service. Yeah. It's yeah, becoming, yeah. everybody's figuring out that's where the money is, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take long for that business model to hit the guitar communities as hard as it's hit the rest of the uh, other uh, business models, which is, sure, you can buy a Harley Benton for 200 bucks, but it's $500 to fix it. Exactly. <laughs> Try right? living in DC, then it's like $1,000 to fix it where I live. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. It becomes it becomes the skill set you're going to have to teach yourself because, uh, everyone's learning that the the car industry is learning that look how the fast the car industry is like they're trying to get away from warranties and stuff they want to get yep. you they want you to back basically buy their car and then pay for the services uh it's the service business and the guitar industry will be no uh no exception to it it already is i think getting that way um people yep. don't realize the plec machines this is the best story ever most people don't know this when plec came out the idea was you pay a hundred grand for this thing and you, it doesn't do it faster. It just does it accurate and the same over and over again. What mm -hmm. Plec figured out very, very quickly, the company was there was no, there's no growth in that. You know, Gibson buys two, Fender didn't buy any. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, GNL bought one, right? Uh, Sam Ash bought one for the Hollywood store. So Plex quickly switched their system to a no. Now you have to pay basically like twenty grand a year for the service contract like licensing. Oh my yeah. God. Oh yeah. So yeah. You need their software and you need to be able to hook up because it connects to them. I guess in Italy or whatever. Wow. And you may not see it 
you may not seen this happen because you didn't know this back end on it. But all of a sudden, if you notice, like everyone went from, hey, we pluck guitars to you need to pluck a guitar. You need to have us pluck your guitar. We're going to pluck your guitar for you. We're going to pluck, right? Mm -hmm. Like Sweetwater. Yep. And the reason is because now they got to pay for that yearly service. They got to make money on something that's a cost. There's overhead. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, mm -hmm. and that's the whole point of this is how long before everybody figures out, you know, Sweetwater, I talk about Sweetwater and all the time, if you guys know, because again, their business model is so different than what the industry's had before it. Uh, I'm going to go there. I think, I think I go there in June. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is of course their 55 point inspection, but I had this cool meeting with them. This is kind of cool. You get some like a little behind the scenes secret thing up front. One of the things I hit them with was I said, look, you, you do these inspections, you take pictures of guitars. What does that cost you per guitar? Could you give me that information? I want to talk about this in a video when I go there. And they were very cool. They got back to me and they're like, it's 37. I can't remember the exact numbers, like $37 and like 30 cents per guitar. So every time you buy a Sweetwater guitar, you got to figure they're losing. Well, not losing. They took $37 out of the profit section of that guitar to service right. it. Just right. to take pictures, the time, right? Yeah. It's part of their marketing, right? It's their marketing. Part of their costs. marketing. Totally. But, but this is my point. What happens with that is the same business model. They do something to the point where all of a sudden, you know, start noticing everybody else is starting to weigh the guitars now and take actual pictures of guitars yep. and do basic setups, right? Yep. And then at some point, in theory, if it follows every other business model I've ever seen, they pass that cost on to us. Oh, yeah. That it stops becoming a free service and it becomes a service that you have to pay for. Oh, this is the premium of that. I'm not right. saying they're going to want that. that. You know, well, if Sweetwater you try to opt out, they're going to be like, you're going to want that. Sweetwater yeah. has that, right? They have the pro setup that they yeah, offer yeah, of on course. top of. Yeah. Right. And, and so, like I said, that's why that skill set is going to be important to guitar players mm -hmm. to have just basic mm -hmm. setups, basic things, because of the fact that uh -huh. they're not going to make that, a, you know, it's not going to be like a, Hey, we throw in a setup or is it $50? I think they it'll become $150, $200 into a setup. That's a long know? way towards a cheap guitar. That's half the value of like an inexpensive guitar. And, oh. and what's crazy about that, which is why I switched, I was always doing detailed videos of guitar reviews. And then what I started doing now is actually the whole, the 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 coat, the people don't realize this, the whole geeky sec section, geeky stuff idea. Mm -hmm. you know what that is, is our car, it's archival. It, I wanted to basically create an, an yep. environment where people could go back to the history of all the videos and look at specifically how each guitar was dissected. Yep. Right. Nice. And that's why they're time stamped because yep. here's why I think over the years, it's not about a guitar. It's about over the years. Will we, I've been like, I like I said, I'm like chicken little, right. Or whatever, you know, the sky is falling here. I am saying what I'm seeing over the years. And what I realized is, well, the reason I'm saying it is because I did see it. I'm paying attention to it. Yeah. What if I get the audience on the same page, which is, okay, let's let's take a look at all these guitars. And I bet you 10 years from now, five years from now, let's do five years from now, five years from now, I bet you the guitar, the average guitar that I get and take a look at will be different than it is now. Just like it was different five years ago in the overall oh, quality of what I see. Oh, interesting. Right? So how many guitars have fret sprout wow. now versus five years ago we'll have it from five years from now wow. how many guitars you know what i mean yep. and 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 here's the here's the really interesting thing so double whammy not only will we be able to look back and figure that out but also i'm hoping i might get the companies to pay attention to it as well 
Um, if the customers notice, wow. then, then hopefully they know. Yeah, because because the scary part is quality control for them. Force yes. them into higher quality control. Hey, yeah. look at this five years ago. Yeah, yes, exactly. The question is, is it is it better? And here's what I love. This is the part I love. In fact, this is funny. This was this morning's conversation during coffee with my wife. I was talking about the video. I think it will come out today. Uh, the video that I think will, it depends on how the flow of it is done, but it's, if not tomorrow, it's really cool guitar. It's carbon fiber. It's a really cool guitar. Yep. And it's priced really good. And there's a couple of flaws with it. And I have two samples. So, you know, new companies, smaller companies, I ask, usually ask now for two samples. Okay. Two different models to look at. And um, I love it. And this is what I tell my wife. I love it that everybody keeps saying to me like, oh, but they sent it to you. So they picked you a good one. <laughs> and I always laugh going, I want the representative sample. Well, yeah, I always think I go, well, here's the double-edged sword on that. I, the people almost frame that as almost like it's a conspiracy. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. why trust this video? If the companies knew they were going to get the video and I laugh going, you understand. I think the opposite, the company's yeah. screwed either way. Here's how yeah. they're screwed either way. Either they sent me something too good, which now you will demand that right. yours be as good. It. Yeah. Yep. Or they didn't check it that well, which seems to be the case on most of the guitars. <laughs> and yep. now you're pointing out the flaw. Yep. It's actually the downside seems to be always on the company, not on anybody else. I don't know yep. why, but just to <laughs> test, uh, and again, secret behind the scenes, no one knows the stuff. So I'll just share it with you guys. Um, I think it's Friday. It's today, today's Wednesday, right? Is there Friday? Yes. Uh, yeah. I got, <laughs> I got so sick of, uh, I have so many comments. I, like I said, I read the comments. I pay attention right, and to the emails and stuff. I pay attention to everything. There's a general consensus that over the Kiesel guitars that I've reviewed, that because Kiesel knew it was going to me, they did a better job, right? So we're like, all right, all right. So it'll be out next week. I, don't, I haven't even seen it. I get it on Friday. Uh, I had a viewer buy, a, he bought a $4,000 Kiesel. It's the most expensive Kiesel I think you can get. He bought wow. it, had it shipped to him. Wow, and he shipped it to he you. He didn't even, yeah, he didn't even open it. He shipped it straight to me. I get it on Friday. I'm going to unbox it and go through it. It's a <laughs> He's secret, like a secret shopper for you. It's amazing. a secret yeah. shopper Kiesel review. That's amazing. He did the viewer who was, and this is what's important. He bought this guitar based on my videos. So the argument is, am I screwing yeah. him or did he get the right, is he going to get yep. the right guitar, yep. right? I think he will. I have a carbon from like 1992. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful guitar. Right. Yeah, so I, I go, uh, I, I thought this is cool. I actually put this out to my, you know, to the member group, you know, the patrons and stuff. And I said, I said, Hey, anybody buying Kiesels or anything, you know? And I was just asking around, you know, what do you guys got going on? And then just so happened, one of my viewers like, yeah, I ended up buying the flagship one based on your reviews. I'm super excited. It's my first real expensive guitar. Wow. And I said, Oh, and uh, he's like, uh, we start talking and he's like, you know, I wonder, he goes, if we had it shipped to you, you could do a video of it. And I said, well, if you ship it to me, They'll know. They're going to look it up and know. They'll, yeah. they'll know. <laughs> they'll know the address. They'll know it's me. I said, I have too good of a relationship with Brandon, yep. the guy that works there. He, he you know, he knows. Yep. And uh, I said, so sadly enough, you got to ship it straight to you. And then you'd That's have to amazing. ship it straight to me. And I go, and this is like, this is a lot of trust, right? And he's like, I'm, let's do it. He's like, let's do it. That's awesome. I'm like, all so, right. And you're getting it on Friday? Yeah, the the tracking number shows it arrives on Friday. So oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's so, perfect for us too, because we probably released this before that video comes out so it'll be like 
Oh yeah. You know, so, Hey, check this out. <laughs> well, that's why I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. Cause it's it, like I said, it will be fast because obviously um, to, uh, to accommodate him. Well, he wants his guitar back. Yeah. I'm doing a fast turn. Yeah, right. so <laughs> and, and then he ships that's back right. out on Monday to him. Right. Nice. Um, right. And I'm curious too. You know what I mean? It's a I'm curious excited. thing um, because Kiesel is one of the few companies that I've dealt with that has an influencer like program they're they're one of the only ones i know that does that mm-hmm. they're um they actually have someone who deals with if you're you know youtube channel or something they have somebody who deals with you and so yeah. it gets a little tra- pro- problematic when people bring that up they're like hey yeah but they knew it was you and i'm like yeah right, i know right. i know they know it's me because they tend to they also rush all your guitars yeah they call it artist something oh, if you're an I artist you yeah they faster. get a faster you get a faster track line to get the guitar faster yep. Yep. Yeah. Phil, I hate to, I, I can go on yeah. Zoom, Zoom's about to all day us again. talking to this you, is awesome, and our, but our jobs are, I run a meeting right now and I'm, I just walked <laughs> over there and I typed up like, I'm going to be five minutes late, folks. I, I'll be back. <laughs> I'm here. It's oh. all good. And our audience can't see us, but we're grinning the ear to ear, man. You've oh. been amazing. This is uh thanks so much for joining us on grade Oh no. Thanks for the invite. It was a lot of fun. It was really a pleasure meeting you. Yeah. See you on the internet. Yeah. Thanks. See you. Bye all guys. Right. Take care. It's hilarious that we told Phil that, uh, hey, we have the ghetto Zoom account, right? We have 40 <laughs> minutes. And he's like, whatever, guys, it's okay. Sometimes it runs over. You know, you never know. But we'll just get on again. We went through two of those. He talked to us for 80 minutes. <laughs> it was amazing. And you think we learned because we're staring at a fucking timer right now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I don't know. The- I think Zoom is getting really strict with stuff. Maybe Zoom wants to sponsor us. I don't know. But Phil was like a wealth of knowledge. I took away so much. And, you know, we did it a couple of days ago. So I've been like just digesting it even more. And it really helped me like find my find my direction. You know, I don't know if you if any of that. Ran, yeah, you, no, like I expected us to. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like it just went Right. And it was an amazing, amazing ride and amazing talk with somebody because I expected us to be like morally safer. We're going to ask the hard hitting question or whatever. And we were just like, hey, how's it going, man? Here's this guitar thing. And he was just off and running and had so many different beautiful tangents to go into because he's just got such an awesome depth of experience. And he's, you know, he's got an earnestness that you're like never going to be like, yep, he's just out there selling whatever. Like, No. no, I think you get a pretty honest read from anything that yeah he says. And, and, and before I forget, I just want to make sure that because I don't think we mentioned it on the show, you know, his his show airs every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, know every your Friday. Gear. Know your gear. It's a great show. It airs on on YouTube and it's also uh, like on all the podcast uh, feeds available. It is a wealth of knowledge. I've listened to it many times. He answers questions from fans for over an hour. Yeah. So like and definitely you see like some literally amazing things like the interview that I referenced when we uh, spoke to him was the guy who's like the COO of PRS right. and the guy from Fishman yes. um, who make the pickups for Got their it. acoustic guitars. Like yeah. they were hanging out talking with him like we were hanging out talking with him and these are guys right. and like and then they walked away. They're like, what? Oh, my God. Wow. We never thought about our guitars that way. So, right. yeah, it's amazing. Right. He, he and, and he's a like. The guy's a visionary too. At the end, we talked. He talked about like how his videos 
He also sees them as having this uh, historical value so that you can valid, you know, you can, you can check you the quality of that right? same guitar yeah. five years <laughs> from now and go like, Hey, the specs have changed. What happened to this guitar? Yeah. Like, it's like, wow, man, you really have a lot going on. He has so much yeah. going and I, on. And I, and I didn't, uh, it just sounded like, you know, just fan fawning. I didn't get to like say it and pay him like a compliment to me. He's like the Alton Brown yeah. Uh, equivalent for like guitar stuff because rather yeah. than just you know assuming something which people believe to be true and people can believe a lot of different images to be true in the world of guitars and pedals and boutique stuff and you know like ooh it's all very exciting but it's all very just uh thesaurus and adjective based right yeah um yeah you know when no, you get down to it but he's you know he, tangible he, right he breaks it down and he gets the arthroscope out and he scopes yeah. out your acoustic guitar or he takes the meter and he reads how hot the pickups actually are or yeah you know he breaks it down and he gives you an honest the, the opinion of where where stuff works and where it doesn't so yeah no and it was changing and um i think we both came away with uh some good advice and some yes. some good takeaways from the whole, the whole <laughs> we thing. talked about my so, trade i learned yeah. so much about trading gear but, and like how to so deal with in, that. in psychology there's this um concept of closure right mm -hmm. and i feel like our audience is probably you know you were kind of just wandering the the woods and didn't know how you got into this you know gear situation i think they would probably want to know like what what happened with your beloved little spider oh. you you resolved this situation <laughs> didn't you the line six yeah I did, you know, and, and hopefully Phil will, will forgive me. He said, you know, Hey, this is your opportunity to practice trading. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's like, like, that's like Mr. Miyagi. It was Everyone like a Mr. Miyagi. experiment in college, right? Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Except this amp is probably worth less than a hundred dollars. So I don't think I can trade it for anything that's going to be of any use to me. So I sold it. I sold it. I got 90 bucks for it. Cash? I'm okay with that. Did you get cash? Cash. cash. It was wild. What, what's uh, what's uh, since happened to that cash? Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> nothing yet. I've been, I've been well. I did get strings for our next episode. There you go. Because it all has to come back to strings. Well, because we. So why did I get strings? Because we talk about strings all the time. Obviously, we punted on our homework again, as you all realize after two hours of listening to us talk to Phil, but we punted on the homework. This is how it worked in real life for me and for Brian. I think since the deadline for homework got extended, we have now <laughs> enhanced what we will be delivering. So now I've gone so far as to add additional string research around our uh, homework and hopefully yeah. our fans will appreciate the depth of our, of our work. We don't just touch a topic once and then no. let it go. Like we, no. we keep coming back to it over and over again. And yeah. Yep. So, yep. um, yep. Yeah, so I, I took my blues I, rock, right? The homework blues, was blues, blues rock, rock fills. We did a, a fill. different fill, but I uh, think a better fill than the blues rock fills. And right. I got I got distracted because we we talked to Phil um, during lunch, and uh, I got this idea in my head of going out and getting a cadaver guitar, essentially, right? <laughs> the sixty dollar guitar that you didn't right. care about, uh, right? Because I need to know how to set up a guitar because I finally feel pretty good changing strings. I feel pretty good. Good. I, I might screw it up, but I could laugh at myself now. So that's like phase two. So now it's like the, the setup thing. And, you know, I won't lie. I tried to set up my base and failed miserably and took it to a shop yeah. and paid $75. So I'm looking for yep. like a $75 guitar. And I signed uh, up for a course. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Right. You're, and, and, you're, you're actually signed up. And whereas I'm just going to do good old trial and error. I, and, and, and we might have him on the podcast. I already talked to him. He sounded really interested and open to that. So I'm excited about that. He's invited me. It just happened. It's an online course, but it happens to be local. And he's the guy that does set up some my guitar. You're going to take and, grade 43 to school. I'm going to go to school, man. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to maybe even film some stuff about my classical guitar. And I feel great about that because I signed up for it. And then Phil told us like, yeah, you should learn how to work frets. That's going to be the next thing. Like that's, right. that's frets more expensive. It's the Fret. silent killer that no one talks about is frets sprout. That's frets for sure. Sprout. Yeah. There you go. There yeah. You go. So anyway, so we missed our homework again. So teachers adding more layers of difficulty and much more research to it, but it's, it's okay. We're good with this. We're happy with this. We're actually yeah. going to drop and maybe have already dropped some teasers on social media yes. about what might be going on. So you'll listen to this yes. and then you'll, you guys are going to sit around for two weeks waiting to see what wonderful things we drop in your lap. So yes. um, check us out on the Instagram at grade 43 on the Twitter at 43rd grade. You can email us at info at grade43.com. We're still waiting to hear your, I mean, Calamar had pretty quick closure within a month. He got rid of that horrible, <laughs> horrible spider ramp that he had no offense to anyone who loves their spider ramp, but yes, it enjoy was not the right ramp. move for him. And now not he has closure. No, so we're still waiting I've to hear your that. horrible gear trade stories or anything yep. like that. Yep. Believe me, we've all, we've all been there. I used to have string a stories. I used to have a guitar that was checkered. Like the floor of like what? Johnny rockets Wait. was checkered. Stop. Yeah. Stop. You had a checkered guitar. I had a checkered guitar. This is like an episode. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. What an ending. But remember, stay off my lawn, kid. That's right. And more importantly, know your gear. And thanks again to Phil for being on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Phil. Oh, my goodness. All right. Take care, everybody. (laughs) I know you guys are looking at the countdown timer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see.